to another episode of Slasher Supreme. I am your host, Chris. Today's topics, we're going to be going over Hellraiser, directed by Clive Barker, and as I stated in my last podcast, I'm going to be doing a review of Friday the 13th, The Game, and giving my thoughts as to why I prefer Dead by Daylight to Friday the 13th. Anyways, let's get started with the film. Hellraiser is from 1987 and is directed by Clive Barker, the man who wrote the novel Hellbound Heart, which is actually what this film is based on. The film opens up with a man named Frank purchasing a puzzle box called the Lament Configuration. When the puzzle is solved, it opens up a portal to hell in which the entities known as Cenobites come in. They end up ripping Frank to shreds. Later on, Frank's brother, Larry, moves in with his daughter Christy and his new wife Julia. While moving, Larry accidentally cuts his hand and blood drops on where the spot where Frank died, bringing Frank back in an awesome practical effects scene where it's pretty much blood and gore and bones just meshing together. It is awesome. From there, Frank recruits Julia to help him out. She starts luring men back to the house so Frank can kill them and drain their blood so he can start rebuilding his organs and muscles back, pretty much becoming whole once again. There is one little nitpick I have with that, and it's only that a few drops of Larry's blood is required for him to pretty much be a skeleton instead of, you know, just like nothing almost. But he kills like I think six different people and he slowly gains stuff back. And like a weird, anyways, <laughs> that's actually pretty much the plot of the film. One thing I want to touch on is that the Cenobites don't show up really in the film at all. So those of you that's looking forward to that, sorry to disappoint, they show up at one point in the second act, solely though through flashback, and it's only for a brief second. And that's because Frank is telling Julia about what happened to him at the hour and six minute mark. They show up and actually have lines and are on screen for more than a few seconds. And when they are on screen, it is amazing. One thing I want to touch on is the special effects. As I stated with Frank's resurrection scene, it is awesome. Another thing that's really neat is when you see scene from scene Frank going from being a skeleton to, you know, pretty much a man without skin is really cool to seeing, you know, the blood and everything and how he looks. Another cool thing is that if you notice, whenever Frank touches Julia or a surface, he will leave a blood print. It's kind of a neat, this little detail, but it's still appreciated all the same. The Cenobites themselves, for those of you who don't know, are adventurers in the further reaches of experience. They're pretty much BDSM fetish kind of people. They love pain. That's the costumes, too, for this film are incredible. Of course, everybody knows who Pinhead is, you know, the famous image of the man with pins, of course, in his head. Another one is, I think his name is Chatterteeth, is kind of a same size man as Pinhead, but his face is completely melted, and his mouth is pulled back, exposing his teeth, and they're pulled back with wire. Another one is called Butterball, and his eyes 
are sewn shut and his stomach is cut open and pulled back so you can see inside and they are pulled back with wire. Another one is a woman, I don't know her name, but her throat is slit open and pulled back with wires so you can see the vocal cords and things like that. The costumes, like I said, they're really good. They look like they're in pain. But yet again, they don't act like it because they're normal. They're used to it. Now, this movie isn't as bloody as you would think it would be. Now, besides the Frank resurrection scene and him being pretty much a walking bloody corpse, it actually shies away from a lot of the killing. Of course, until the very end where he, spoiler alert, gets killed again. You really don't, and actually there too, it's a quick cut. So there's actually not a lot of blood in the film if you're worried about that. There is one thing though, is a sex scene. So if you're possibly going to watch this with kids, just, you know, get it out there to see. Now, another thing that I want to talk about is, like I said, for those of you who are hoping Pinhead is in the film. Like I said, he's not in the film that often. He is later in these sequels, though. Prefer, uh, I think Hellraiser 3 is when he starts showing up a lot, and of course, the sequels after that. Although I will warn you, the later on, with sequels you go, the kind of words they would get pretty work bad. Hellraiser 4 is actually in space, and then I think the ninth one is like Hell World, and it's in a video game. So they get pretty, they get pretty out there. Then only other film that kind of treats Cenobites the same way as they do in this film besides Hellbound or Hellraiser 2 is the one that came out last year Hellraiser Judgment so just keep that in mind if you like your Cenobites kind of in the background as they are in this film another thing I want to talk about is for those of you who are wondering why I decided to pick the Motorhead version of Hellraiser instead of the Ozzy Osbourne version is actually because in Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth clips from that movie and Pinhead himself show up in the music video for that song. Lenny and Pinhead actually have a game of cards in the music video. It's a really cool song, or it's a really great song actually. And the music video is kind of cool, so if you want to check that out, it is on YouTube if for those of you who want to see it. A little tidbit, I guess you could say, is that Pinhead in the movie actually didn't even have a name. He was what's called Lead Cenobite. The name Pinhead came because of the crew actually used that as a joke to describe the character, and it just stuck. So therefore, that's how we got the name Pinhead, for those of you that are wondering. Anyways, that is my sort of review over the film Hellraiser. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely say check it out. It is a really good 80s film. Now I'm going to go over to the gaming section and talk about Friday the 13th and why I prefer Dead by Daylight compared to that game. Friday the 13th is available for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I would say this is a multiplayer heavy game but they did add a solo component. For those of you getting excited that there's a solo portion of the game, don't get too excited, it is very lacking. Now this game is seven versus one compared to Dead by Daylight's four versus one in the same way Jason and the camp counselors are randomly spawned on the map. Camp counselors then have five ways to escape or in the sense to win. 
two vehicles will spawn on the map. It is up to them to find repair parts for the vehicles to escape. Also, a fuse will spawn on the map that is used to repair a phone, which will then call pol the police. Another way is to run out the timer, which I believe is 30 minutes. And the final way is to kill Jason. This involves getting a hold of Tommy Jarvis. A radio tower will randomly spawn on the map as camp counselor is to go and interact with the radio. Once a camp counselor dies, they have a small chance of coming back as Tommy Jarvis himself. Upon then, a female camp counselor will have to find Jason's shack, go in, steal his mother's sweater, come out, stun Jason, and then have Tommy deliver the final blow. It is a very long process and has to be very coordinated with everybody in the lobby to achieve. So that is probably the last option to use in any case. There are eight different Jasons in this game to play as, all highly detailed from the film they are from. My favorite is Jason from Part 7, where his skeletal, um, sorry, his skeleton is showing pretty much. Also, each Jason has a signature weapon. Part 7 Jason is a machete. Part 2 Jason has a pickaxe. Also, each weapon has a unique kill with them that you can select to then perform on camp counselors. Also, there's a giant pool of generic kind of kills to use. Also, some are for movie themed. Are movie themed as Jason uh, takes Manhattan, where he punches just punches head off. So that's also there for a kill use. There are 14 camp counselors in the game. Three are from the film, and the rest are based off of archetypes from the film, such as kind of the douchebag rich kid, the preppy girl, the nerd, the jock, and so on and so forth. Mm. While in a match, survivors have different ways to defend themselves such as finding a bat or another blunt object, a flare gun, a shotgun, also smaller items such as firecrackers, switchblades, and health kits to heal themselves in the chance that they meet Jason and are able to escape. Along with that, camp counselors have three perks they can choose from. They're interchangeable, some are good, some are bad. It just really depends on how your playing style is. Some affect how many, if you can start the match with the health uh, kit, some with the map, it just like I said, depends. Jason, on the other hand, gets four unique uh, four abilities. All Jasons have the same abilities. Now, depending on what Jason you pick, they kind of shift. Some have a higher cool, uh, a longer cooldown. Some have a shorter cooldown. Uh, Part seven, Jason has a longer cooldown on morph, which is an ability to allow you to transport to different spots on the map, whichever you choose. While part two Jason can do it quicker than him. Also, part two, three, and four are able to run, and they're the only three that can run within the entire game. Along with the survivors being able to defend themselves with blunt objects in that sense, Jason, on the other hand, has bear traps and throwing knives, which can either completely incapacitate targets depending on how damage they are or stop them with the bear trap and then the sense of slowing them down with the throwing knives the one thing I have to say about this game that kind of really makes it sad that this game's doing horrible is that you can tell that they really cared about this all the maps are taken from movies themselves 
and like I said, all Jasons, and they're really detailed. And like I said, with all Jasons, they are really detailed too, so you can tell that they have a lot of love and cre- a lot of love for the films. Which is actually a mode I want to talk about. In the solo portion, there are three modes you can play. Challenge mode, offline, and virtual cabin. So I'll go down the list. From challenge, you are dropped into a map as Jason and given a certain amount of ways to kill camp counselors to reach a high score. For one example, the first one you do is that a camp counselor is underneath the car. You will then kick, a, kick the jack and the car will fall on top of him and kill him. Offline mode, you can only play as Jason and not the camp counselor. That mode, if you want to play as Jason a lot, it's great, but camp counselor AI in that mode is horrible. They have no sense of self-preservation. They will stare at you as you walk towards them to murder them. They will also jump out of windows at random, which will then hurt them. I have seen AI jump out of two-story windows even though I'm far enough away that they will not pick up on the music that you hear if you're a camp counselor when Jason is close. They will just, they just do it, I guess, to do it, to have fun, or whatever. And the last one is Virtual Cabin, which is what I wanted, um, one of my favorite modes, which is also what I just said about them really caring and showing their love for the films, is this actually shows the ideas they thought, the concepts for each character, all the Jason models up close, the stuff they wanted to add to the game, which sort of sadly couldn't, which if you completed all the Easter eggs in the virtual cabin, it did show the next DLC they had lined up, which was Jason X. Sadly, that is no longer coming out due to a legal issue that happened, I think, last year involving the Friday the 13th franchise, for those of you that remember it or even know about it. That event in itself almost killed this game, actually, as they were allowed to not put out DLC or updates. Now that it's over, they can only put out updates which still seem to not help this game out at all. So I want to get to the negatives of Friday the 13th and why I like it, why I like Dead by Daylight more than this game. First off, I want to start off with the community. The community for this game is, they're kind of assholes, most of them. Um, the best way I can describe this is when the game first came out to now. When the game first came out, like I said, Survivors had to protect themselves. <clears throat> and one of the ways was a shotgun. If you shoot Jason with a shotgun, it will stun him, and you'll have to, you know, do a button uh, input for him to get back up. Not for survivors. So you would have people roaming the maps, not just shooting people. So you not only have to worry about Jason, you also have to worry about your teammates who are supposed to be there to help you. They will just gun you down for the hell of it. Now that they have fixed that through updates. People still, in a sense, do it, but not with weapons. They will either shine flashlights that you have equipped to you on you over and over again to get Jason's attention, or they can message Jason himself if they're in the party or, you know, just before the match starts and let them know, uh, just follow them, and then they will lead people to, you know, they will lead Jason to go kill people. So you have to really kind of play this as a lone wolf sort of game. Another issue that I have is it's very unbalanced. When the game first came out, survivors had limited resources. Bats weren't there all the time. Health kits, you know, you'd be lucky to find ones. Then with switchblades and firecrackers. Now you can't even go three like feet without tripping over a damn thing. And it makes it really hard to play as Jason because with, say, the pocket knife, 
when Jason goes to grab to do a kill animation, they will use the pocket knife stab. They'll go into an animation where they stab him in the throat. He's in a stun. He's stun locked, and the camp cowser can get away. If you were playing as Jason, you would be lucky to even you know unlucky to get like one person. Now I've played matches where I've caught like two people, and they've had three on you know on their persons. The max amount of small items you are allowed to have is three. And yeah, I've been I've grabbed people and just repeatedly been stabbed the neck over and over again, and it just makes it kind of hard to get kills when you know they just always have a way to you know stop you. Along with that, when survivors gang up on you, weapon breakdown for them is a couple hits. Well, they get into a cabin that's fully stocked, you're pretty much screwed, especially if they're working with another person, because say the camp counselor you're focused on hits you with a bat. The person, the camp counselor, can be waiting behind you, wait till you're out of the stun lock, come up and smack you again, and just take turns back and forth, keeping you stun locked. So it's almost like it's almost like the camp counselors themselves have become Jason, this you know unstoppable beings, in themselves. Which I have to say is a very bad issue. It kind of takes the fun out of playing Jason. Um, for those of you who are thinking that you'll be able to play as Jason the entire time, that is not. I'm sorry to say, but it's going to ruin your day. You cannot. Um, when a match starts, a person is randomly chosen as Jason. If you think, oh, if I'm the only one to survive or escape first, I'll be, you know, chosen next as Jason. That is not true either. You will be given a higher chance of possibly playing as Jason, but yet again, it is randomly picked. So you might not be Jason at all. There has been times I've played in like 13 matches and not been Jason. But there's also times I've played the first, I was the first person to play as Jason. And then two maps, matches later, I was Jason again. So it's really just RNG at that point. Whereas in Dead by Daylight, if you feel like playing as a survivor, you can just play solely as a survivor. Or if you want to play as a killer, you can play solely as a killer. So that kind of, you know, it really kind of leans me more towards Dead by Daylight. Another thing is the updates, as I um, said earlier in my last podcast, Dead by Daylight always has them coming up like every few weeks. Friday the 13th, not so much. They actually just did have an update where it started an event for you get double experience. That's been like almost the first update in months, it feels like. Um, One thing that I really did not like about the developers of this game is that Yes, I can understand, you know, game developing is hard and things like that, and doing, up, you know, updates like that is hard, but they had roadmaps and things like that set up of DLC and, you know, events they were going to set up. They would push those back constantly. Say you would, they say they were going to have an update in, like, April. They would almost push it back to, like, November or January. You know, it was just months at a time they would push stuff back, and it was just insane how much... You know, they would kind of lead us on with events and things like that, which is also what pushed me over to Dead by Daylight more, is where that development team for Dead by Daylight, it seems like they're always on it, whereas on Friday the 13th, it's just kind of whenever. Another thing is with the legal issues that they had, and almost killing this game off completely, it's another thing is that the developers almost pretty much kind of give up on this game. So, not a lot of stuff really comes through. I'm kind of surprised that there's even a double 
XP event unless it got pushed back again. So, you know, that's another thing to look at. So the real reason, like I said, I prefer Dead by Daylight is simply the ability to choose who I want to, you know, what I want to play as, as a killer or survivor. The community is a lot nicer in Dead by Daylight than on Friday the 13th. And this, you know, updates and updates and how the developers react to the community. Yes, Dead by Daylight sometimes doesn't really get on it right away, but they're still there to fix fix the game as need be whereas Friday the 13th the developers waited or would just push it back and just keep giving excuses over and over again well I'm going to do the closer for my show so thank you for listening and I will meet you over there to close the show out Thank you for listening to this episode of Slasher Supreme. It means a lot to me. Please like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do to let me know you're out there listening. Like I said before, if there's a certain movie and or video game you would like me to review, please leave me a voice message on Anchor. Today's little movie fun fact before I go is that the idea of the Lament configuration, the puzzle box from Hellraiser, is actually thanks to Clive Barker's grandfather, who brought back a puzzle box from the Far East when he was uh, away on a trip. Clive was trying to think of interesting ways that a portal of hell could open, and he thought that a puzzle box would be a very interesting way. So there's a little, little you know, a little tidbit for you to know. This another random fact. Also, in regards to next week's podcast, I will not be doing a game review. The Anything I'm playing right now, I really don't have anything to talk about. So, I'm either going to do two movie reviews or an in-depth review on possibly one of my favorite films. So, I'm not sure yet, but thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.